0: Welcome to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. Today we are looking back on the year 2023, and Mandan and I will be sharing our favorite books of the year. This is a definitive, objective list of the best books of the year.
1: There's nothing missing on this list, and every book (laughs) in here is perfect. Absolutely. No flaws. Mm -hmm. No mistakes. No, I think it's good to do it at the end of the year. I hate... When, not to throw shade, certain newspapers do a best of the year, but it comes out in June, say maybe best of the first half of the year.
0: Yeah, or when they do that little like cutesy, the best of the year parentheses so far. I know, just 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 say,
1: do a monthly one. One of the kids... websites that I follow does a monthly best of so like best of May pay attention for these releases I've got a book on my list from January and I have a book as recent as I think it came out November 16th Wow! I know I happen to look up all the release dates just to make sure they all actually came out this year
0: I probably have a bias for books that came out recently because those are the ones I remembered when I was Mm -hmm. making this list but I could be wrong
1: I went back in Goodreads. I had to go back and see what my favorites were for the last year because you forget, right? You read so many books, you you forget
0: what you read throughout the year. Totally. That's my favorite thing about Goodreads. All right, so
1: let's jump right in and start talking about our favorite books. Would you like to go first? I'm going to start with a kid's picture book. So I I have a favorite kid's picture book, a favorite teen book, and then the rest of mine are adult books as well. So um, this series of books by Andrea Beattie, uh, illustrated by David Roberts. The first one that I think in this series came out was um, Rosie Revere, Engineer. Okay. And basically, the reason I'm calling this a series of picture books is a lot of the action takes place in school. And each book in the series after Rosie Revere is a different kid in her class. So it's mm. Iggy Peck Architect, Aaron Slater, Illustrator. And it's all these kiddos that tap into their steam engineering skills or art skills or math skills but they do it really subtly so kids don't know you're pushing like this subtle little agenda mm-hmm. but these stories are so beautiful all these books are very beautiful um in fact I think I mentioned Aaron Slater Illustrator last year
0: I do remember that now because those are those are great titles they are
1: they all rhyme and yep. the books rhyme and the books are great for kindergartners first second grade um preschool and they're all about listening to your inner voice and believing in yourself and every kid has a different thing and that thing the kids might see it as a weakness or people might tell them it's a weakness but it's always this unique gift that they tap into by the end of the book so lila greer teacher of the year so all the previous books have been about kids in the classroom this is obviously about the teacher but it goes back to when she was a kid and Her Struggling with Anxiety, and it is insane to me that that's a book, a topic for a kid's book, but kids' books are different than when we were kids, and we know kids are struggling with anxiety and different um, things like that much earlier, but they do it in a really gentle way that doesn't feel like annoying or heavy-handed, and it is just the most sweet and lovely and self-affirming story. Nice. Definitely. The stories are lovely. What a great suggestion.
0: I'm glad you picked something that was in a series because the first one that I'll mention is a kind of a sequel, I guess. It's The Book of More Delights by Ross Gay. I'm sure I've talked about Ross Gay before. Yeah, I podcast. read a book
1: based on your suggestion from the podcast before.
0: He's a great poet. But The Book of More Delights is a collection of essays. So his Book of Delights came out a few years ago, and he had challenged himself to write a Essay every single day. I think from one birthday to the next. So for a year, wow. Uh, he wrote an essay every day about something that delighted him. So it could, you know, it could be something really small or you know something bigger. And then I guess he liked the experiment so much he did sort of a, another this book of more delights, which I would say I even liked. <gasps>
1: he honed his craft in the second time around. I
0: think so. I think he was getting more and more delighted with life. He, it kind of makes it sound a little chicken soup for the soul like a little bit maybe sweet and wholesome. Mm-hmm. It isn't quite that at all. Um, he writes about social issues, all kinds of things. My favorite, one of my favorite things he says in the book is that it's really not about only seeing the bright side. It's about seeing all of the sides. So, mm-hmm. You don't just focus on the negative stuff and wallow in that, and you don't, you know, put your head in the sand and only focus on the good things. You see the whole variety of everything that's going on in the world, and I thought that was a really wise kind of thing to say. And I think he does that really well in the book. So, lots of essays about. He lives in um, Southern Indiana, and he's a avid gardener, so he talks about gardening. He talks about his family um, growing up as a young black man in America so the you know challenges and joys that mm-hmm. come from that and, and he's really community minded in a way that I think a lot of people maybe miss um, as yeah. part of American culture now that we're getting more and more isolated and
1: uh, so anyway so that's that's the book of more delights by Ross Gay. Nice that was a lovely suggestion and I'm looking for more poetry and essays mm. though I feel like they're really underrated. All right, I'm pulling my phone back up because it went to sleep. My second one is going to be a teen book. People that read a lot of teen fiction will recognize the name Neil Shusterman. He's Mm -hmm. written The Uglies, which is going to be uh, either streaming or a movie in 2024. This one, though, he kind of took a, a turn and he decided to do a graphic novel. It's called Courage to Dream, Tales of Hope in the Holocaust by Neil Schusterman, And the illustrator is Andres Vera Martinez. And he wanted to to make some of the characters in Jewish folklore be saviors in the Holocaust to rewrite the narrative so that people survived. It is so profound and just It hits you in all the feels because you really, you finish it and you, you think, I wish this was true. Yeah. And I wish these characters came to life and I wish they could have saved all the people that were killed. Um, I've heard of some of these characters before. The two that come to mind are Baba Yaga, who is Mm -hmm. the witch that lives in the woods in the house with the chicken feet and she eats people. And there was also, uh, the story of the Mm Gollum, which is this strong force that's going to come again sort of thing. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us know the word golem from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. It actually has uh, quite a history in uh, Jewish folklore. And so he reimagines these events that happen. And the reason I kind of, I started to say it's fiction, it's nonfiction. Um, he obviously fictionalizes things that happen, these events, and the people survive because these folktale characters come alive and, and save them. But what I liked is... Um, I forget if it's before or after each of these little tales throughout the book, he talks about the statistics of how the Holocaust impacted certain groups of people. Mm, Highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. And ours did have quite a hold list when I finally got it. So I imagine it's still pretty popular since it came out in the last... I feel like a couple of months. So. All right, put your holds on it, people. Get your holds on it. It's excellent. What about your next title?
0: My next one is Making It So by Patrick Stewart. So I I just have, returned that this morning. I have gotten really, really into Star Trek over the last year, particularly The Next Generation, which... If you don't know, Patrick Stewart is the main character. He's the He plays um, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, and, um, man, I had no idea. I thought it was, like, schlocky, hacky, nerdy soap opera drama. I thought Star Trek was. I don't know why I thought that, but it is so smart and insightful, and I loved it. But we're not recommending Star Trek today. We are recommending Making It So, his memoir. So Patrick Stewart is an older man now, and he... Wrote, you know, his memoir, looking back on his life, growing up in England in poverty. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, he grew up in northern England in these conditions that, when you read the book, you you are like, how is he a person alive today who experienced these these things? Like, it was they're just completely like Victorian Dickensian. Mm-hmm. That sounds Um, like
1: Angela's ashes. Yeah, where it's like... just atrocious. Like, how do people
0: survive?
1: And this is in the 20th century.
0: Yeah. And he talks about how... Yeah, exactly. And it's in his lifetime where he, you know, and his brothers would like heat the water for the bath and they would all have to like one after the other share this bath water because Mm -hmm. they didn't have running water. They didn't have a bathroom in their house. His... Best ambition that he could come up for himself, come up with for himself when he was a kid was to be a truck driver because that was like the thing that you could do to get out of, Mm -hmm. you know, where he lived. Situation, yeah, yep. And then through, he writes about these like incredible series of events where he becomes a Shakespeare, a Shakespearean actor Mm -hmm. um, with the Royal Shakespeare Company, and then you know becomes this really famous actor and. I loved the story, even if you don't know him, I think it's a really interesting story of an actor's life and um, somebody who grew up in poverty and sort of defied the odds to become to become famous. And um, I particularly loved how he wrote about um, his really clear focus from the I thought it was really satisfying to read about somebody who had an ambition. From childhood Mm -hmm. and knew that's what they were what they wanted and knew that's what they were destined for and sort of like cleared the way in their life for this one thing that they knew was going to make them happy. So that was like, especially if you're feeling kind of like, like you don't have that. It was, (laughs) you know, speaking for a friend. It's like, oh, it's so nice to see someone with this like creative ambition Mm -hmm. And they just really believed in themselves and their ability to achieve it and did it. It was like,
1: yes. How old is he now? He's in his 80s. Yeah. Mid 80s, least. late 80s? I
0: think.
1: He's I'm... in that group with um, Ian McKellen, right? Yeah, they're, they're good like friends. Best friends. Yeah. yeah. Ian McKellen's um, Gandalf from Lord of the Rings and Patrick Stewart. I feel like he's one of those actors. He's so prolific. Yeah. And everybody knows him from something different. You might yeah. know him from Shakespeare. You might know him from Star Trek. I, um, my favorite role was when he was Professor Xavier in the yeah. X-Men movies, the totally. older Professor Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, James McAvoy played the younger one. Um, yeah, and he's funny. Love that's it. that's he my is favorite funny. thing. He's kind of a clown. So. One of my favorite Halloween pictures because this is the way I am. I love finding Halloween pictures that make me laugh every year. Was one year for Halloween like ten, fifteen years ago now, and I think it's in it's in his book. Yep. He put this picture in the book. Um, he is dressed like a giant lobster, uh-huh. and he got in his bathtub for the picture, and it is so freaking cute. And yep. he just he has a really he seems like he would have a very great Perspective on life and just yeah. a really good sense of humor.
0: What's your next one?
1: My next one is going to be, I actually took a screenshot of the description because I know I'm not going to explain this well. And I want to read the description from Goodreads first and okay. then kind of break it down a Got little it. bit. So the book is called Yellow Face by R.F. or Quang. I'm sorry, I'm messing up the pronunciation. So the the, the book description from Goodreads athena Lou is a literary darling and june hayward is literally nobody athena dies in a freak accident so june steals her unpublished manuscript oh. and publishes it as her own under oh. the ambiguous name juniper song as evidence threatens june's stolen success she will discover exactly how far she will go to keep what she thinks she deserves with deadly consequences. What happens next is entirely everyone else's fault. With its totally immersive first-person voice, Yellowface grapples with questions of diversity, racism, and cultural appropriation, as well as the terrifying alienation of social media. It's... It's a hell of a book. Really? It is. I've heard
0: so much scuttle, but I mean, I haven't watched anything because I wanted to read it first, but people are talking about it on the interwebs.
1: It's on, I believe it's on the New York Times best of list. And because I always go through to see if I've read how many of the books I've read. Like yeah. It's like the best 20 or something. Um, if, it, if it wasn't them, it was like Harper or someone. Um, it packs a punch. Because the you hear the story through June, the, the woman who s- steals the manuscript and publishes this huge bestseller after the other woman dies. The, Athena is um, an Asian American lady and June is a white lady and they're friends. They know each other from going to prestigious college together. And you do not like June from the get-go. She talks about her friend's success and how she deserves it as well. Ew. And she doesn't even like hanging out with her friend, but she goes out with her because she's rich and she always buys her drinks and and whatever. So um, an accident happens at the beginning. Of course, the woman dies. And June steals her manuscript after the ambulance takes her body away. And then feels like she she the whole book is her explaining her guilt away and justifying all these bad bad choices okay and then her always feeling super indignant when people call her out when people start start um suspecting that she stole this manuscript from her friend and the indignation and the self-righteousness, you want to just slap her and say, snap out of it. Like, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, It's so gross. But you keep turning the pages because you want to see if she gets her come up and at the end. If she really gets caught in this web of lies. Ooh. And... Oh, there's just there's a lot to unpack. Obviously, yeah. cultural appropriation. Her yeah. name is June Hayward. Okay. Her full name is Juniper. Her mom and dad were like total hippies, so they named her Juniper, but she's always written under June Hayward. Okay. And um her publishing company decides to rebrand her because her first book was a flop and because her book oh. is about Chinese history, they rebrand her and use her middle name, which is Song, S-O-N-G, which is an Asian Got it. sounding last right. name. So because she, they change it to Juniper Song, people start assuming that she's right. an Asian person, even I though see. she's a white person. So that's the first kind of thing. It's, I feel like as you go through this book, they're just ripping chairs off of this I'm ripping legs off this chair and making it more and more wobbly. So there's that. There's all these little um, moments of cultural appropriation and and just racist thought. Okay. And and just ugliness that comes out on the social media posts. And it really makes you think about our culture. I think that's the most important thing that comes out of this book. It really makes you think about social media and the impact social media has on people, but also just the microaggressions that happen to people of color. It is smart, it's intense. It is really uncomfortable at yeah, times. Yeah. And I feel like anything that makes me uncomfortable, I probably should read. Yeah, yeah. A little I think I've mentioned that before on the podcast. Anything that kind of challenges the way you, your comfort level and the way you think, I kind of creep into it. I can't say I dive into the book because it makes me so uncomfortable. I bit off all of my nails. I was so nervous. There are certain scenes where you just know she's going to get busted in a lie. And I was like nervous biting my nails off because I was so uncomfortable. I kept shifting in my seat as I was listening to this in the car. I was moving my body around because I felt so... Ugh from this book, but it's excellent and I can't recommend this enough. It was such a good read. It's a really quick read or listen. I think it's probably maybe three hundred and fifty pages. Like you can knock it out fast because you wanna know what happens. It's a hell of a page turner. So definitely recommend it.
0: Yellow face. Yellow face. Very, I'm adding that to my list. Yeah, and then weird. I'm going to watch all the, the YouTube videos where people dissect it. Because and that then sounds we can, like, we should talk
1: about it. Because yeah, there's, yeah. there's a couple things that happen where you're like, what? If I had a book club,
0: I would put that on my book club mm-hmm. list, I think. That would Same. be very rich, uh, lead to a rich discussion. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, the next one um, I picked is The Comedy Book by Jesse David Fox. This might be my favorite, favorite. I'm just going to throw it right here in the middle. This is the last of my nonfiction recommendations. Um, the co- it's just called The Comedy Book. And Jesse David Fox is a fascinating person to me. He is, I think he writes for Vulture. He's a journalist, um, sort of a pop culture, particularly a comedy journalist. And he has an excellent podcast called Good One. Um, and it dissects comedy and jokes like they are literature. So he'll talk about word choice and rhythm and Mm -hmm. like what makes something funny. And I didn't realize how interested I was in comedy until I read this book. He talks about the history of it. He talks about um, big comedy specials that have been in the, in the zeitgeist like Nanette Mm -hmm. or the Bo Burnham special. Um, These different sort of branches of comedy, like, you know, slapstick and vaudeville and burlesque. Mm -hmm. And then, and how, you know, comedy is really reflective of the time that it's Mm -hmm. made in. And it's, it's very literary. It's, it's light, it's funny, but mostly I think it's just pretty much this really, really smart Mm -hmm. um, analysis of comedy over, you know, the past hundred years. And there's this idea that Uh, if you try to explain a joke and why it works it ruins it but I found it really interesting Um, so I highly recommend the comedy book by Jesse David Fox
1: so I am gonna do we mentioned this on the podcast before I think because um, Olivia and I both read Tom Lake by Ann Patchett this year and we both loved it I fangirl so super super hard for Ann Patchett such a fun book. It is about the story of, it bounces back to, what is it, the 60s, 70s? Mm-hmm. Um, to this um, theater camp, sort of, not really. Summerstock. Yeah, yeah Summerstock, thank you. And the story of this is being told in present-day mm-hmm. Traverse City area of Michigan by Laura to her three grown daughters. So it's this very interesting young love story about herself with this gentleman that then became a famous actor. And so, of course, her kids are sort of bowled over that she dated the famous Peter Duke. Kind of coming-of-age romance. I don't want to say coming-of-age like they're 18 years old. It's, they're in their 20s, but very much still when you're figuring out your life and what comes next. It's, it's as much about that as it is about the familial relationship she has with her daughters and the cherry orchard where they live. Her writing is so descriptive and lovely and it just has like this way of pulling you forward. Yeah. And I'm not doing a great job selling this book. I can't just say anything more than I love it so much. Add, please, because I know you enjoyed it too. Uh,
0: I thought it was really cool to read something. I mean, I love every single book Ann Patchett has ever written Mm -hmm. pretty much. And to see her kind of take on Traverse City was cool. It Mm -hmm. felt very local. And it was a little bit juicy too because mm-hmm. um, the guy that the main character falls in love with is now this famous actor, and you're kind of.
1: You Where's know, this going to go? Yeah.
0: Ho, ho, ho. Don't we all kind of wish that we had like a complicated history with a famous person that we can mm-hmm. kind of smugly carry around with us and be like, oh, really? Harry Styles. Oh, I remember our summer together on the beach. <laughs>
1: Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sing all your favorite I'm people. thinking as you're
1: saying all these guys are like in their 20s and I'm like I'm ancient because all my, my crushes are him. in their 50s now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gross. Yeah. It's a great book. It I'm is like excellent. And
1: Patchett if you're listening please come on our podcast it would be like the absolute dream. <laughs>
0: the other one I have is my one of my favorite ones was Hello Beautiful by Ann Napolitano. Uh, this is a reimagining of little women. It's mm-hmm. not a it's not an exact like retelling where mm-hmm. all of the plot points would be the same and the characters are easily identifiable as, as the characters in the original text. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a modern, not modern day, I think it's in the 80s, but relatively modern day version of a sister story. So there's four sisters mm-hmm. um, living all together, and it talks about, you know, they're growing up, they're all very quite close, they're all each quite different um they're not a one-to-one with each of the four daughters and little women and they actually all are sort of obsessed with little women little women is actually in the universe of this book they oh, read fun. it and they kind of like play acted and they argue about which who's which one which mm-hmm. i grew up with three sisters so um That's a very real thing where we, none of us had to be Beth because she dies. So we would all fight over who would be (laughs) Joe. And then you'd sort of just like begrudgingly admit that you were Amy. (laughs) So we would all sort of like um, play act a little women, but it it shows, you know, their, their lives. Um, I thought it was a very realistic sister story for the most part. There were some things I was, Mm -hmm. I took issue with, of course. But uh, for the most part, I thought it it really captured what it's like to grow up with sisters. And I thought it was just a really beautiful book and a a good family story. um, Very beautifully written. Slam dunk, and Nice. You know, I loved it. So that is our list of favorite books from this year. 2023 was a good year for books. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a bunch of books that we missed. So if you have any recommendations that you'd like us to add to the list, please email us at Troy
1: we have been doing the podcast now for a year and a half? Yes. It's been a pleasure. It's and been I a pleasure. Hope everybody has a nice holiday season. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year,
0: everybody. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to The Books We Loved,
0: a podcast through the Troy Public Library. You can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org slash podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at TroyPL.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading.